Yo, what's up? Oh, you got the good setup. Yeah, yeah. I was upstairs yesterday, so I'm this is my uh I guess podcast studio and I got a background and my lights on and my microphone and all that stuff. That's the voice of Ben Funky Askren, and I'm Chris Weidman. This is Won't Back Down, presented by BioAccelerator. So Ben Askren is a former world champion in Bellator and also the one championship. He competed in the UFC as well, uh, and then recently also had a fight with Jake Paul in boxing. He is now retired. Um, he was an Olympian in 2008. Uh, in wrestling, one of the best wrestlers of our era. Um, he wrestled around the same time I did, and uh, he was a huge inspiration, created his own style called the funk that changed the sport of wrestling forever. Uh, he now runs the Askren Wrestling Academies in Wisconsin, and uh, I wanted to talk to him because he really has such an interesting mindset. He really has it figured out. Um, we Got in touch again recently because he got in touch with me to interview me on uh, this new psychology book, sports psychology book that he's coming out with. And uh, to ask me, like, you know, some of the different um, mindsets I've had for myself throughout the years in competing. And uh, it was great talking to him. And I thought I really want to bring him on the show um, because he really does have it figured out when it comes to sports psychology. Um, he's a guy who really had really doesn't have the most talent and wasn't the most athletic, but overcame all that to become one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And one of the most, um, undervalued MMA fighters. Um, so I really wanted to have him come on and tell us his story. Um, and what has made him great. I want to tell you about Won't Back Down's presenting sponsor, BioAccelerator. BioAccelerator is the world leader in stem cell therapy and regenerative medical research. Through the use of their powerful golden stem cells, they help patients heal from joint and orthopedic injuries, autoimmune disorders, spine and disc damage, and neurological trauma. I was out in Columbia about three weeks ago, and I'm already doing things I can't believe I'm doing when it comes to uh, my leg and my surgeries. I had surgery about seven weeks ago on my fibula where they had to put two different plates in uh, to stabilize my fibula bone and like 13 screws. And I'm already doing sparring and doing wrestling and doing jujitsu. And I have to give the credit to Bio Accelerator. What an amazing facility they have in Medellin, Colombia. And I'm really blessed to have been able to have the experience of going out there and getting that done for my body. Uh, thanks again to Bio Accelerator for sponsoring Won't Back Down. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Ben Funky Askren. You're just getting into podcasting, right? That's what you told me? Yes. Ever since my leg snapped in half, I said, you know what? I got to start uh, doing something other than just getting punched in the head. So huh. here I am, podcasting it up. Well, I, I'll tell you, I've been doing it for a while now. I did a wrestling one and then a wrestling one and another wrestling one and a crypto one and some MMA. Man, it's fun to just sit down and get to talk about things you get to talk about with and get to talk to people you want to talk to. So I I, uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I'm loving it so far. Just it's kind of for me, I like, you know, hopefully a lot of people end up listening and, you know, make tons of money with it. But just talking to interesting people that I get to learn from yep. and get some inspiration from some of their stories. Um, it's worth it to me. Uh, so just to give people a little bit of backdrop, we'll just start with the heat. 
Uh, me and you, the first time I <laughs> met you was in Chicago um, yep. at a national tournament. I believe we were both in the wrestlebacks. It might have been going like to see who goes for fifth and sixth or third and fourth. Or, yep, right? I think that's right. And I remember watching. I wasn't even sure if you were my weight class, but I've never told you this before. But I remember okay. like I had three or four kids from my high school that I went there with and my head coach okay. and uh, Coach Chippos. And I remember watching you walk around the tournament. You had like a bag of singlets and you were trying to do trades. You're doing like trades. <laughs> that with was, yeah. On national go. singlets. And I got, I actually did a whole bunch of trades. I don't think I traded with you. Uh-huh. Um, and that bag ended up getting stolen uh, on the way uh, back to oh, New man. York. Yeah. I lost all my singlets. It was a devastating tournament in, in many ways. But <laughs> um, so, but you were walking around and you had this crazy confidence about you. You had mm-hmm. the Afro puff going on. And it's like, this kid was different. It's like, and then next thing I know it, I realize I'm wrestling you. And my friend's like, oh, you better kill this kid. That's funny. Well, if you want, I got a question for you then, because, uh, so that was at like a hundred. Now it's UW. It, well, so field kid at that time, but now UW, because the weight class is always strange. I mm. want to say that was like somewhere in the mid 160s. So that was kind of when I was hitting my growth spurt. Now I want to say you actually wrestled like 180. One, I, don't, I don't remember what the weight class was. 180 something at Fargo the year before. Is that yes. true? So, so that, I always wondered what happened. Yeah, yeah. So that was literally the first wrestling tournament that I cut weight. And it happened to be a oh, tournament, really? a tournament huh. that uh, you have to make weight three days in a row every morning. Mm-hmm. And you had to be on scratch weight. And you so know. that was, I had about six pounds to lose every single day in the morning. And it was a Dang. freaking, it was a nightmare. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, and then I think Fargo, I wrestled, I think it was like 182 and a half or something. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I tried to go down and wait and I felt good. I remember wrestling Roger Kish. I lost to him, decently close match, like four to two. Oh, he won that bracket, right? He ended up winning. Yeah. Um, and then I had you in the wrestlebacks. And do you remember this match other than watching on video? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, but it, I think it is on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> Bro, I mean, you get launched like that in the first period. You don't remember it? What the hell? Well, I'm going to go, uh, you know, maybe they didn't record the first period. I don't know. Let me see. No, no, no. It's on there. We, oh, it is? Okay. You've, you've tweeted it. No, no. no so I, I, I remember I hit a lateral drop Okay. right from the get-go. I'm up. I'm up. And we, got, we, we had some good scrambles. And I just, I'm only remembering it 100% because of the video. Um, but um, next thing I know, you spin behind. You take me down. And you, I think you got me in a trap arm. And you just tilted me up and tech fold me. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a beatdown. But I remember, like, it was like I, you were in my head. Just your hair, <laughs> your attitude, and the fact that I'm, like, getting tilted over and over again in front of my friends that thought I was just going to crush you. Oh, we're over on it. I had to watch it now because he said I got Are you watching it right now? Yeah, I'm watching it right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, t- top was my thing in freestyle, though. I had a really – oh, oh, damn, there we go. You saw yeah, I, I got a little too aggressive, pushed in. <laughs> yep, yeah, I got launched there. That wasn't so good. Yeah, it was out of bounds. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been a nice pin. But uh, big deal. Uh, funny. Um, but going to, I just want to hear. Like, obviously, you had this crazy confidence about you even then, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't like you were a multiple, not, not multiple, multiple time national champion at that point, and you weren't. I think you just started kind of coming into your own as yeah. far as you know, dominating and being on the top of the the sport. Where did that mindset come from and that confidence? No, it's, it's funny because um, 
to your point, I, I so that was my so this is a, this is a woman wrestling. This is after my junior year of high school, um, and that was when I really started getting pretty good. But prior to that, I had no national level success. And then you know I was doing pretty good in the state of Wisconsin, but that you know at that time I don't want to say it wasn't New York or New Jersey, Ohio. You know, it's not one of those better states, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know I was just getting better, and I really enjoyed wrestling. And you know, one of the things I loved competing. That was probably one of the things when Dana, uh, I said, wouldn't let me in, or when they refused to make me an offer in 2013. Like my whole life, like, and you brought up when we talked on the phone call that bumping up the wrestle Roger case. Like I loved to compete. It didn't matter where I was when I was younger. I wanted to go wrestle people. And then, so then when I didn't get this opportunity to face the best people, it was like, no, that's the opposite of that's the exact opposite of what I want. And so like to be branded with this narrative of like, he doesn't want to compete. It's like, no, that's bullshit. It's like the opposite of what I've been. So, um, I agree. I, I could yeah. back you up on that hundred <laughs> percent from watching you from watching you from the get go. Yeah. So I, I don't know why I had, um, you know, my, I always talk about like building the like, confidence in certain things. And it's like, so the first thing I remember being confident in was that I was, uh, I was willing to work really hard and, then after that, oh my gosh, it's so funny that one of my high school teammates is in the corner. That is hilarious. And then uh, <laughs> look at the multitasking skills. Well, yeah. And then after that, it was like I started getting a lot of confidence in my wrestling skill because uh, I spent a lot of time on the mat. I started getting comfortable in some really unique positions. I, I wouldn't say I was like scrambling or really doing moves yet. I just kind of was getting a feel for the sport of wrestling because I was spending so much time on the mat. And so that was kind of like the second thing. But then after that, I just said like, you know, you realize that there's more than one thing. It's not just like you're confident in yourself like you, but there's like little aspects, right? It could be your conditioning. It could be, you know, it could be a specific move, for example. It could be your strength. And there's so many things. And when, when you can build a whole bunch of them together, I think that really helps. I agree. Now, just going to the Afro and pissing people off, was that part yeah. of your uh, yes. plan as well? And where did where'd you get that from? So, okay, now we're going way back. Um so my my sophomore year in high school, and this so this is great because we're the exact same age, and you'll probably remember this mm-hmm. this stuff. Um, for the first time ever, there were these things called message boards, and so like I the said, the mat.com. Well, in the local ones, so there was one called WI Wrestling. It actually, still exists to this day. It's kind of dead now because most people post on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but so someone says, "Hey Ben, they're talking about you on this message board." And I like I said, I was starting to get good. And there was a senior in my weight class um, who was undefeated. And he, take, to, he took taking second before and never thought he was going to win. He was ranked number one. I was ranked number two. And all these people were talking about how bad he's going to whoop me. So I'm a sophomore. I get down there and said, I'm going to kick this dude's ass. And, you know, and just kind of be myself. And then there was like front page headlines about it that I went and did this. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But all these guys are adults talking shit. And I can't get on here and say, I'm going to beat this dude. Like, what's wrong? And then I rolled the dude up, you know? So then, like, I kind of got booed a little bit. So then I'm like, well, whatever, dude. So, like, I'll, I'm just going to play into it. So then the rest of my high school career, at least in Wisconsin, it was, like, playing into it, you know? So, it's like, what can I do to make these people more mad or make them complain or make them, you know? And so it was, like, for a while, I carried around a boom box. The hair was obviously a huge one. Um, so stuff like that. And then it was funny because in college, I went to Missouri and I think because we were like uh, not a powerhouse, um, people like loved my antics. Whereas when I was in high school, people really hated them. And it was kind of the same thing. And, and this is obviously changing the mold of, of wrestling and how, how it always was done. I mean, there was, there was yeah. really no, no trash talk. Um, 
you know, coaches, it was all about being humble and, you know, showing respect to your opponents. And, uh, you know, if you dominate somebody, it's, you know, you're never, you know, never talking trash. You know, there's, there was no trash talk before matches really. Yeah. Or really even after too. I mean, like, you know, the one thing that I always got annoyed about, even in college and is like, you're not supposed to show any emotion. You know, when I was like, you've already been there before. And it's like, I I always felt like that was so stupid because number one, and, um, this is, I'll tell you something that you're going to laugh at in a second, but number one is like, I worked really hard for this. This is like, I mean, you had kids now, Chris, I, I don't know if you'll feel that your wife might get mad at you, but I just say this to my wife, like there's a couple moments in my life winning my first state title, winning a national title that, that were as good as the birth of my child. <laughs> I worked many years for that shit. I worked so many years uh... and when it came to fruition, it was just this feeling. Now the feeling of having kids was outstanding also, but they match up. They're pretty equivalent for me. Yeah, do you agree? If, are we going to just be real right now? I mean, yeah, honestly, having kid, the day of having a kid is very stressful. Yeah, and it's it amazing you give you gave life, but holy shit! For three weeks, you're in torture. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you don't you don't sleep. Um, I feel like the obviously you're going to take your kids over. You know, your state title or win a national championship yeah. because you you fall in love with them, and that's the most important mm-hmm. thing in your life. But um, I'm with you, man. When I won, when I won a state championship, still to this day, when I won the New York State championship, it was a super close match. I ended up beating a guy who went to Missouri. I don't know if you remember Chris Paris. Chris Paris, oh my yes. gosh, yeah, that's an old school <laughs> name. Yeah, it was we. So he beat me in an earlier tournament that year in double overtime, and I chose down, and he rode me out. Oh and then God. in the state finals, same thing happened. We just stole both of us. Just we had too much respect for each other. Nothing yeah. happened on the feet. Double overtime, and I choose down bottom. And uh, I go to do like a Gramby roll. At, like he, I stand up to my feet. He has my back. And I try to just roll underneath him and kind of funk, funk behind. Yeah. And I get caught on my back. So my coach turns around. He thinks I'm pinned. I'm like in a cradle. And I kick through. I get back up to my feet. I get the one point. Dang. And uh, it was insane. It was insane. I was very close huh. to losing. And I got the win. So, But that moment still to this day, like that and winning yeah. the UFC championship against Anderson Silva. Uh, I haven't told my wife that, but yeah, it's, it's up there. It's up there. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's seriously for real. So the, the other thing you are a mold. You, you just break the molds. No <laughs> one's supposed to ever say that anything's more important than the birth of their kids. And look <laughs> at you. Great and shit. But yeah. yeah. Um, the other one is that, and I, I noticed this in fighting. I don't know if you recognize this, but the one thing that I started paying attention to is whenever they show like the highlight clips before, before the events or when they're building stuff up, they almost always show something of a guy celebrating a prior win right and so i'm like okay like i'm not a good dancer or i can't do anything cool but i gotta do something i gotta do something after i win a fight i gotta do something that you know and they're gonna use that clip then in the future so i always thought that was kind of pretty obvious and that you know you want to capture the emotion of the athlete uh and you can feel that with someone wait so were you doing this during wrestling no no, no, i I realized it's in fighting okay um But yeah, no, in wrestling, I would show emotion afterwards because I, you know, I enjoyed it. I was happy. And, but you, you know, like you were saying, it was kind of frowned upon. It was like you're supposed to just get up and shake their hand and walk off the mat and that's it and nothing else. I know. I remember you, you changed the mold in the NCAAs too. I remember you, I mean, you had you and Herbert, the buildup going yeah. into that match was mm-hmm. like, it was almost like a fight. Um, and that was when, that was your senior year, right? When you won the yeah, national championship. That was my junior year. Oh, junior year. Yeah. And who'd you beat senior year? Then Keith Gavin, who's he's a head Gavin, coach in Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah, hey, yeah. I, I got a question about Chris. Now, this is people are like, oh, wrestling talk. So I far. know, I know. Yeah, okay. we'll get into the fighting stuff soon. Don't Chris worry. Chris Paris, whole- wasn't he from Long Island also? Mm. 
So we were in the same county and then his senior year, he moved. So I was always lighter oh. than him. And then his senior year, he moved to the other county. So we didn't wrestle in the qualifiers to get to the States. Because there's only like, I mean, I don't know if it's still this way, but in New York, there's only one person per qualifier. There's only at that time, not anymore, but at that time, okay. there's one person uh, per qualifier makes it Got to the state and there was one state champion. Now there's there's wild cards and uh, I think two per qualifier and then there's two state championships okay. which i don't like i don't like that i like the idea of having one yeah how about wisconsin we, we have three I, I so i think it's a tough balance i think from a, sh- a sheer competitive standpoint i think one is is great but um not in new york but california would be the biggest one where they have one and i feel like a lot of kids get buried who maybe get would get college uh, scholarship opportunities but the brackets are literally so big and kids kind of get buried and they don't place where, you know, if they were in another state, they'd probably do really well and maybe have opportunities. So uh, in that aspect, I like multiple divisions. But if we're talking like sheer comp- just competition, yeah, one, one is better. I mean, but there's so many different national tournaments now that yeah. like it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's an All-American. It's really it used to be a way bigger deal. Um, that's why I have the old American tattoo. And then now I realize everybody has it when we were young, when we were in high school, it wasn't as, uh, prevalent for sure. But now Tyron's got one. Yeah. There you go. Me and Tyron. There we are. I can't uh, just think of anyone else offhand. And Colby, Colby Covington. He does. Yeah. He has one too. Where? Uh, on his back. I'm, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to look it up somewhere. Back. You're looking it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know a bunch of dudes from New York that have it. And I'm like, what, what national tournament did you place in? You know? <laughs> Uh, For me, back in the day, it was Fargo. Fargo, if you placed in Fargo, that was yes. the m- most legit national tournament. I still think it's kind of the same now, right? Um, see, Fargo is probably pretty close. Um, I actually, so Super 32 is one that's be, it wasn't really, I don't think it even existed when we were in high school. Yeah. Um, that's getting really popular, and it's probably the toughest. The other one would be the, actually the tournament we wrestled at, which is now UWW Cadets. Um because they, they still have the weird weight classes. So it's really like you get a whole bunch of people smushed together who normally wouldn't be together. So those two are probably the toughest, and then Fargo's probably third. Gotcha. Yeah. You looking it up? Uh, I'm Colby's I'm back. Colby Covington's Colby Covington's I can't find his back, though. I can only find his front oh, side. Geez. I think I'm right. Let's talk about trash talk. Okay. Um, when you trash talk, obviously you've done your whole fight mm-hmm. career, and I've watched you do a wrestling, but is it more – for entertainment purposes or to get into the guy's head? Uh, I would say, I'd say a little bit of both. I would say, you know, and obviously with MMA, it has to be wrestling. You don't really get as rewarded for being entertaining. Um, MMA, you, you absolutely do, right? You, they want you to have a personality. Um, but I think that also serves a purpose of getting inside someone's head because, you know, everyone, no matter who you are, have insecurities about certain things. And so if you can speak to their insecurities, you can, you can usually like make them start thinking about them and, and start really like worrying about them, which is good. And another thing, uh, and obviously this is, this backfired one time on me, but, uh, if you can make someone upset, usually people who are upset don't compete well. Um, you know, so if we think about the balance of where they're at, um, if you can get the, especially in wrestling, if I, you know, it's like my last couple of years. If I could get them upset, they're more likely to do something stupid, and then I would be able to capitalize on it. Whereas, uh, you know, if they got really disciplined mentally, then they could stay in the position and make it harder for me. But if I could get them to get, you know, emotional, then it was really usually positive. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Um, let's talk about the backfiring on you. Uh, let's just get right into it. So <laughs> yeah. obviously you had this amazing MMA career, undefeated. Um, mm-hmm. You were always searching for the best competition. The UFC, you, Dana White, obviously it didn't work out until what, like 2018 or so? You finally so, got to UFC? See, so I got, I retired. Yeah, so I retired in November of 2017. And then the trade happened in, I think October, November of 2018. And then I made my debut in 2019 in March. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah. you, you make your, your UFC debut. Um, you, did you, st- did you talk trash for your first fight with Robbie Lola? No, because I liked Robbie. So I always, I always didn't like when people do like fake trash talk or, you know, you know, they're full of shit, but they feel like they had to build up the fight. Yeah. So it's like, there's not really much to dislike about Robbie Lola. Like, what are you going to say? But you, you didn't want to pick on any of his possible insecurities. You, um, you would have just felt bad. It, yeah, it was just one of those things. I had a level of respect for him where I just didn't want to. You know, I, I I mean, I was trying not to fight him. I wanted to pick. I actually wanted to pick Darren Till was the one I wanted right away. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, um, and he's one of those guys too. And this is like uh, when we talk about Khabib Connor. Like certain people, the trash talk doesn't really work on because they've they've been in a level of wars where there's like I think all their insecurities have probably been exposed. And that's like you know I think about Khabib and Connor. And, you know, the way people grow up in Dagestan, because there's been kind of a civil war slash that that type of stuff going on forever. And so when you've been at that level of violence and stuff, it's like, oh, this this fighting is kind of not not that big of a deal. Whereas, you know, to there's a lot of Americans who've never been in a fight. I mean, they've literally never been in a fist fight. And so, um, yeah, I think I think you can kind of expose that in some people. Robbie, yeah, I had a level of respect for him. I didn't really feel anything negative about him. And I felt like. You know, he'd been in so many wars that he probably wasn't going to get rattled by anything. Yeah. All right. So you get into uh, – tell me about your UFC experience and, and dealing with Robbie. Um, obviously, you got the W, yeah. but uh, a crazy way to win your first – Yeah, it was really uh, – right? And very different for you. I mean, you were pretty much untouched throughout your whole MMA career. And at that point, what was your record going in? So the 18-year-old going to the UFC um, – yeah, I don't lost, I think I lost one round to Jay Haran. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's a Long Island guy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and actually think, the town right next to me. He was a wrestler too, yeah, right? Yep. Oh yeah, he was a very good wrestler. Wait, did he wrestled Hofstra. He was yeah. He was ranked number one in the. <laughs> he actually wrestled. I went to Nassau Community College first. He went from okay. Nassau to Hofstra. He was ranked number one in the country, and then he got um, he got like suspended. I think a failed drug test or something okay. for hmm. for like weed. Um, and, but yeah, he, he was apparently very talented when yeah. it comes to wrestling. So, um, yeah, I, so yeah, I, was, I mean, obviously I had, had not really had very many competitive bouts in, in a long while. And, uh, yeah, I mean the Robbie, well, it, I shot in, I arm dragged, I had his back and then I just kind of got, I don't even want to say it was careless. It wasn't careless. It was just a position where I, I don't know if you ever wrestled or grappled with some of these type of people, but there's a few people I can really pinpoint in my career where like they were able to lift me from a place where I didn't really expect where I'm like, nah, I don't get, I don't get lifted from here. And then also, Oh shit, you're up in the air. You know, like they just have a, a little bit different kind of power. And that was, that was what happened. And then when I, when, when he slammed me, I usually, I can still even there hold on to people, you know, and then they'll come like come over the top with me as I maintain my grip. And that's not what happened. They have arm tap and I punched the face a whole bunch of times. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I was able to get up and um, get a takedown and it was really ugly, but I had actually been practicing that, that choke that I got on him. Um, I really had wish I'd found a better jiu-jitsu coach earlier in my career 
But when I unretired, I was like, I, I didn't want to go back to Rufus because I just I knew I was older. I didn't want to be on the schedule. So I put everything together for myself where I was bringing all, all coaches and training partners into me at my wrestling academy. Um, and so Mark Lehman, uh, do, you, do you know that name? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so yeah, you he was me? I know that you, I know that you're a boy, but my boy Matt Serra, that I know you've seen the video of him tearing him apart. Oh yeah, on the they, got heat. Show. they got Oh heat. my gosh, I could watch that video all day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Mark was in Vegas and Dallas, but he's actually from here. Like he's from like ten minutes away. So when gotcha. I'm retired, someone told me, oh yeah, Mark's he's back in town. So I kind of I you know I hit him up and I said, hey, you know, let's meet, let's sit on a meet, and we kind of hit it off. And so like. It's funny because I really wish I had been working on some more detail. My, my problem with a lot of the jiu-jitsu coaches is they're, it, wrestling is taught a lot more efficiently. And it's like, we're going to get in. And I don't know who jiu-jitsu coach is. So you, maybe you don't have the same experience. No, yeah, yeah. But like last time they go live, it's like five-minute roll, five-minute roll, five-minute roll. Whereas in wrestling, a lot of times it's like, okay, let's work on bottom. Let's work on top. Let's work on specifically, you start with the bar. You start with the single leg. You start with the headlock. And so you're really like focused on positionally things and you get yeah. better there that's how you mm -hmm. get better and so mark we had been focusing on finishing the choke because obviously pretty much my whole career i've been really proficient at getting takedowns and i just i hadn't made an old finish a bunch of fights by submission so we we're focused on like a couple different you know arm triangle rear naked those type of things and it was like i just had been clicking a few things that i was missing and so when i locked that up on robbie i knew it was over because i had been just like i obviously have a crazy squeeze and then just that a couple of details that he had been working with me on we're, we're clicking together so yeah i got the win it was buzz ugly but it was super dramatic so i mean that 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 was good and all uh you know got people really riled up and then yeah i mean i wanted i knew i wanted to fight so i actually flew to london i had set up my flight to go to london because i knew i wanted to fight george or darren next i actually thought darren was gonna win probably was my guess um yeah but who was he fighting at this point it was darren and george in the main event in london Oh, that's right. Okay, okay. It was like two or three weeks after my fight, and I, I flew out there. I was thinking St. Pierre for a second because I know you were trying to get him too. Yeah, I mean, that would that was a pipe dream, obviously, right? Because yeah. he was retired at that point in time. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I wish, I wish I would have been in the UFC earlier and we could have maybe crossed paths because uh, I would have been coming over just about the time he was – I think he retired maybe a year after I came over. Some, somewhere would have – the year after I would have came over. Gotcha. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump into the jujitsu thing for a second yeah. and then we'll go, go back it. to the fighting. So you're saying you didn't have a good jujitsu coach, you know, for a majority of your career. Like, yeah. Um, but I remember 2009 Abu Dhabi's. Yeah. You I, killed I it. mean, you, that's another, another me. thing that you just jumped into really. Right. You, did you do yeah. qualifiers and stuff leading up or you got invited? No, they just invited me. So I said, I'm in. Yeah, that was awesome, and I, I know you. You did better than me. You took no, hurt. I no, no, no. I, I didn't take anything. I lost in the semifinals to I don't know if I placed it. I just there was no wrestlebacks. I lost to Andre Gabal in a oh, very close yeah. match. Like I was yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I had like three or four different chokes on him and whatever. Yeah. But it was an awesome, awesome experience. Yeah. And then I lost in the. I went to the absolute division and I lost. I beat some heavyweight from Brazil, and then I lost to uh vinnie magalies by flying armbar oh shoot it was I freaking that. Oh, ridiculous that was the first time i ever felt anything like that before dang um yeah so i, yeah, I but think, at that uh, point you didn't feel like you were good at jujitsu uh so okay so like there's i mean there's good and then there's the next level right and so 
Um, like there's a few guys I've went with. I mean, the majority of guys I go with, I'm fine, right? I could I can yeah. definitely hold my and I haven't traveled in a while, but like so like a Marcelo Garcia, that video is public. Like, oh yeah, I've seen me, right? I've seen I mean, that. That's that's unbelievable. He's so, so unbelievable. Pablo Popovich, that was the, so I won my first match that year, 2009, and then I got submitted by Pablo second round. Um yeah, and so there's been these guys, and so it's just like I felt like my jujitsu was good, but then it was like okay, so I had when I started MMA. Uh, in 2008 in Columbia, because I was still coaching there, we had jiu-jitsu coaches and no striking coaches, and that was it. So I just did jiu-jitsu like every single day. Um, and obviously, you know, with wrestling background, it helps you jump levels really, really fast. Yeah. When, then I, I took a job at Arizona State. Um, there wasn't a jiu-jitsu coach at that gym. So I actually convinced him to bring my jiu-jitsu coach from back home down there. Well, they got in a fight like six months later. Um, and then when I moved back to Rufus, Rufus kind of cycled through – a couple different coaches, which a couple were good, but they just didn't stay very long. And then the last one, I really, he was really subpar. He's, he's not there anymore. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of like, I just didn't have a really consistent one. And then I guess the other thing would be, and this would be on me is I maybe a little bit neglected the finer, finer points of jujitsu. And maybe because I didn't have that coach that was sparking my interest in it. Um, but to me, it was like, well, if I take down and I just like stuff them and do their, you know, able to stop anything they can do and just keep punching them, then I'm going to win, you know? Yeah. So it's like not a huge level of focus on taking the back or, or finishing that way. So it's like, for me, it was like, get off bottom, right? If I end up there somehow, use the jiu-jitsu because jiu-jitsu has better options off bottom because everything in wrestling requires you to turn to your belly, which is, it's okay sometimes, but you need multiple weapons, ideally. Yeah. Um and then obviously on top, then you can also use the jiu-jitsu mixed with some folk style wrestling. Folk style wrestling is great to keep people down. Yeah. Um, so mix all those things together. So yeah, I just didn't have a coach that sparked my interest. Uh, and then Mark at the end was, he was really great on the details. Um, but obviously it was, you know, really late in my career. And I only got, I got to work with him for like, what, nine, 12 months, something like that. It's crazy because it is surprising because obviously your wrestling game, you were good on your feet. And, mm-hmm. um, but you were known for your, your top control and your pinning yeah. abilities and like your unorthodox way to bring people to their back. So obviously I would think that, you know, heading into jujitsu, it would be the perfect fit for you to come up with this whole different type of system. Just kind of like how you came up with the system yeah. of like funky wrestling, you know, all the scrambling. Um, you created something that really wasn't there before. Um, it's surprising yeah. that you kind of just no, that's what I said. Now I mean, didn't not, put too much me... time into like, what's wrong with you? Can you do this? You're not too old. Let's go. Now you're making me regret. Well, so I mean, one of the things I was thought that time Marcel Garcia fucked me up. I'm like, this dude, he's he's just on a different planet almost. And you know, obviously he's like probably one of the goats, right? Oh, he's unbelievable. I agree. Um, and so like part of me said, like, fuck, I should just moved, I should move to New York City and work with him for a year. Cause I don't I don't know about you, but in certain aspects, like once you once you get that skill, it's like riding a bicycle. It's not going to go, it's not going to go away. I mean, you might have to, if you don't use it for a while, it might get a little rusty. You might have to, you know, kick off the dirt a little bit, but it's going to be there still. So, yeah. And now like, I actually like, I really enjoy jujitsu uh, and really kind of kind of grab, but I'm now I'm so busy with being at my wrestling Academy. And um, if I'm, if I'm doing something physical, that I'm usually wrestling, you know, I, I do, I have three high school kids. I do private lessons with where I'm trying to get them to be really good. So I'm, I'm usually doing that. So I just don't have time right now for the jujitsu part. Gotcha. Unfortunately, right, let's, let's move on to the, you beat Robbie Lawler. Yeah. Now you got this, the big fight with Jorge Masvidal. Tell me about that whole, the build up and the fight. 
Yeah, it was great. It was going perfectly to plan until it wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, you're right. That was the fight I wanted. So actually, when when Darren Till beat uh, George, I thought George was the easier fight for me. Um, and, you know, I, I so obviously I still think that I, I win that fight more often than I don't. But he hit the perfect flying knee. And, you know, and then that was that was that. And there's really nothing after that. I know that's that's something that people don't really tend to realize is that um, just because someone wins in a night and no matter how they finish the guy or decision, yeah. especially if there's a finish, doesn't mean that that the better fighter won. You know, the yeah. better fighter that night won. You know, he was able to figure it yeah. out. But as far as percentages go and who would win more likely or yeah. most likely, um, that's a different story. Yeah. So, I mean, I put myself in a good spot where if, if I had won that fight, I would likely have been fighting for the UFC title, which was kind of the whole goal. I mean, so the, the other thing is all, all along here, um, you know, I knew I had the hip issue. So it, it had been bugging me for, for quite a while. Um, and when I retired, it was just like, well, I, I, I'm retired. I just don't do anything that hurts it. You know, it's simple right so uh, yeah. like when i was retired the first time i'd wrestle some with the guys at the academy that i was coaching like you know do some yoga a few lift weights here and then not nothing too strenuous and um so then when i started when i when i unretired and came back it was like fuck this really hurts like what's the deal so i actually went to my college doctors who i, I maintained a relationship with them so i flew down there and i said I, let's look at this let's see if there's something i can do like really quickly just to get it better um and you know, they looked at the x-ray and said, well, this, no, it's not really anything you can do. So there's just deal with it. And whenever you're done, you're done. Cause you know, when you do the surgery, it's going to be a year off. And I said, okay. Um, so we actually did the PRP and that, you, you know, you said you've done that. That definitely made mm -hmm. it feel better for, for at least a little bit, you know, it made it a, a little yeah. looser, feel a little better, but it, it was just, it was, that was kind of bad the whole time. So I, I also knew I was on kind of a, uh, a time window there where I had to, Get, you know, get to the top really fast, and, my, and it was be really limited amount of time. So yeah, so I, lo I lost to George, and then I knew, you know, I was like, what? okay, well, maybe two more. You know, you know how it goes at MMA, right? It's like if you have once you get a name, if you can put a couple of good fights together, you can get back to the title shot. But when I lost mm -hmm. my second one, I'm like, dude, I'm too, I'm too far away. My hip sucks. Like I couldn't do any running. I couldn't do all. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Like it was just really limited. I couldn't do. So I'm gonna just get the surgery and be done with this. What what aspects of like training was the hip the biggest issue for? Like what couldn't you really yeah. do? So uh, the biggest issue was it was really limited mobility. So I had the so like that my other hip um, it's going bad, but it's just a cartilage issue, which is you know it's slightly painful, but it's not nothing bad. But it was bone spurs, and so um, like I couldn't bring my knee past my hip right when it's coming up. So for example, I don't make excuse, but like you know, keeping a guard in jujitsu. If you can't bring your knee up past your hip, right? Where it's 90 degrees, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's really hard That's... to keep a guard. Yeah. You wow. Know, it's harder to keep your base down. Um, you know, even as far as a wrestling penetration, usually if you watch it in slow motion, your chest goes down. Right. Um, so yeah, so there's a whole bunch of things that were just really limiting, but more than anything is like, once I actually did the surgery, I was like, fuck, I should have done that. <laughs> Sure than that many years ago because like i was at the point where i could really i could sleep in one position and that was it you know and you know you just like i don't know i'm sure you've gone through some shit you when you get some pain you just like figure out how to deal with it it's whatever that's yeah. what it is and so yeah actually my my whole left side had hurt from the hip and then um but every morning i woke up 
uh, my, like my right side of my back and upper back, you know, middle back was like always really sore and that, you know, I have to go through routine, get it loosened. I, and I feel better. Right. I was training at a pretty high level. And the day after I had surgery, I woke up uh, or the day of, right. So they put you out for the surgery. I woke up and I'm like, my back doesn't hurt. It's weird. I'm like, well, I expected my left side not to hurt, but my right side doesn't hurt either. It's like, well, I'm on, I'm on pain pills. Maybe that's it. And then it, my fucking back never hurt again. Wow. <laughs> it was so that's weird. Crazy. Right. I just didn't totally didn't expect it. So if I was like, now, if I look back, I would have said like, if I would have known what this, I would have done it right. When I retired from one championship, I would have done it like immediately then because just, just regular quality of life. It was so much better. Was it just the fact that it's like considered a hip replacement that scared you of like doing it and still continue to fight? I think it was just, I just didn't know how much better it was going to be. Yeah. Like, you know, like I said, with certain things, you just, um, you know, they, they get worse and worse over time and you forget what normal is. I mean, right. Cause I've been, it had probably be getting worse. I, I, I had fucking like start pinpoints of like, I remember some stuff in 2010, like where I had some issues with some of the muscles over there and a little bit of pain. And so as well as it just gets worse and worse and worse, but it doesn't get worse. Like in a day, it's not like tomorrow. It's terrible. It's just over years. And so you forget what good is. And then, you know, like, when I have the surgeon, I'm like, Oh my, Oh my God, I don't have any back pain. This is, freaking crazy jeez yeah and and you were training it was at the mass fidel fight where it really started becoming a problem and, uh and really right when i unretired and i started like trying to train it was like oh yeah. man this is a lot of, so I, like i said i flew down to my doctors in missouri because i'm like oh hey maybe maybe there's something you know maybe there's something simple that they can do real fast you know like you know art you said you talked about it you had a arthroscopic surgery right and yeah. you're back like a couple weeks later like, it's not a big deal you know so i thought hey maybe it's uh Maybe it's one of those things where I get something done quick and then I hop right back in there. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. All right. So Masvidal happens, the memes, the shit talk, all of a sudden uh -huh. you suck. You know, you're the you're worst dude ever. Um, people weren't satisfied with your win over Robbie Lawler. They, they were like, you know, oh, he didn't tap, yeah. you know, all this. And then they see that happen and you get all these people just trying to drag you down and, yeah. you know, just say you suck and they're forgetting everything you've ever done in the sport of MMA and also wrestling. Um, how do you, how do you freaking handle that? Um, I think it's just like, I, I, I spend very little time ever reading the comments, whether it's, I enjoy Twitter, but I, I don't read a lot of the comments and Instagram definitely not. They're, they're really terrible. So don't, don't read the comments. <laughs> so you just don't read any comments. On Instagram, hell no. No. Yeah. And it's Twitter. Obviously I scroll through, so I'll see some, but not, not, you know, a lot of times it's like, like one of those things. Um, I mean, this is, this is what I, I said earlier about like, comp like I love competition and, and the whole reason I, I'd, I'd rather see, try to be the best and lose than, than not know. Right. And so when I retired from one championship, it was an, I don't, I don't know. Right. I never got the opportunity. I, I don't know. Like I did really well in training against a lot of really good guys uh, my skills are pretty good, but I would still like to know because to your point and, and one of the, um, I, I don't know if you'd say exciting, uh, or exhilarating things about fighting is that to your point, if, if you had two guys fight 10 times, if they're close in skill level, you're going to get a lot of different outcomes. Whereas in, like in wrestling, lots of times the better guy is going to win almost every single time, but it might be close. It might be about two points, yeah. but he's still going to win, right? Yeah. Because there's less variability. In fighting, there's so much variability and that, you know, that's kind of one of the things that makes it so hard is that 
you could be the better fighter that's going to win. If you did it 10 times, maybe you win seven. He's still going to win three, right? And that's, yeah, so, crazy. that's like, yeah. So I think that's one of the tough things about fighting is, and you have to do it, um, I don't say every night, but like if you have an off night, it's going to bite you in the ass. And yeah. then you're going to get knocked down the ranks a little bit and you got to work your way back up. So it brings me into mindset. Like, so that being the fact that, like, and you knowing that, listen, anything can freaking happen inside yeah. that cage and um and some of the worst things can happen like flying knees or broken legs or whatever it is i've been i've both those things have, have happened to me you find it um, weird that there's only been three broken legs and you're a part of two of them yeah it's freaking very weird what the hell is Wild. that i don't yeah it's freaking crazy but how do you how do you explain the, the what you think is the proper mindset for people who don't know you actually right you, you've been a guy who a lot of people look up to when it comes to mindset you do your mental yeah. Mondays you are coming out with a sports psychology book right now mm-hmm. with a psychologist and uh, and the guy who yeah. started Spartan race right the Senna so how do you recommend fighters in a brief way like what should be going into fights knowing that the better fighter doesn't always win anything yeah. could happen. Well, so I, I think the toughest thing, I think the, the hard part is it takes practice. Um, and so that's actually one of the reasons I think wrestlers, you know, wrestlers have a few advantages when they come over to mixed martial arts. One of them, obviously, is the ability to dictate where the fight happens. Um, but another really big one that a lot of people ignore is the amount of competitions we have. Because um, usually by the time we get to that, that UFC level, we've likely been through youth, high school, and college wrestling. I don't, I don't know about you, Chris, but I've, I've had th- a thousand matches for sure. Probably more like 1500. So it would be my yeah. guess. I'm up there somewhere. Yeah. So, and you feel, and so, um, I know it's not a fight, but it's, it's a lot of the same things, right? It, it's getting your body prepared to go compete as well as you can. And so now we've had th- a thousand times to practice at this where a lot of guys from other disciplines, they maybe had 20 or 30 or 40, mm-hmm. right? So getting yourself there mentally, um, it's something that takes practice and, and everyone's kind of unique. And like, you know, we talked the other day about uh, where I need to be for me, but that's not everybody that that's, that's me. That's just my own. And, you know, I know there's certain people like me, but there's some other people that are opposite of me, right. About what they need to do to prepare to get ready and all those things. So you got to find what's right for you. So I always think it's, I always just draw this diagram for our athletes is like, think about the best performance you had. And you're up here and then think about the worst for you and you're down here. Right. And it's this like curve or wave. And the goal would be to make as many of them as close to the top as possible. So if you think of, okay, my best performance, what did I do? You know, how did I warm up, eat, uh, cut weight, all these things, what was I thinking? And then when I was the worst, all what, you know, name all the things. And then, so if you can recognize, Oh, when I was worse, I didn't sleep well. And I was really worried about winning. Right. And when I, when I did well, I, you know, I, uh, I, you know, I, my, my weight cut was really good. And I, I just, I was just enjoying the moment and I was worried about getting, you know, finish my single leg or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. So identifying those and then doing, and so wrestlers, we get a lot of practice and it's great. It's great. Cause we need that practice. Yeah. And I think it, it was interesting when we were talking the other day or was yesterday, was it yesterday? Or they, I think it was Monday, Monday. Yeah. Um, on like, you know, we talked about how you are so relaxed before fights in some of these biggest moments. Um, I don't know what fight it was, but it was one of your big fights. You're on Twitter and you're like talking about the basketball games or the football yeah. games going on. Mm-hmm. 
And it's mind boggling to a lot of people um, how you could, you know, be thinking about something else like basketball or, or football when you got the biggest fight ever for the world to see coming yeah. up that same night. How do you how do you maintain that calmness and that, you know, the, and how do you control your mind to focus on other things uh, like that? Yeah, I mean, so kind of kind of like what we talked about earlier is that uh, we got a lot of practice. And I told you a specific story of my freshman year where it was um, I can become obsessive and generally being obsessive when you're like in the moment or getting close to the moment is really negative to your performance. And so I was able to realize that, that when I was 15 or 14, whatever it was, right, realized that, hey, that's a problem. That's something I need to fix in order from if I'm going to be the best, I got to fix that. And so that was kind of just like the rhythm that I always got used to was keeping myself relaxed was one of the most important things I could do. Right. And not getting all pent up and bent out of shape about every little thing and, and super tight. And that's, you know, so for me, that was my ideal mindset. And that's something where, you know, you, you, or anyone listening to this, they just have to go practice it. And as re wrestling, we get thousands of competitions. We get a lot of freaking practice at how do we feel good? How do we compete? Well, what, what happens when we do well, you know, poorly, how, what, how are we wrestling? When we did that way. So, you know, for me, relaxation is best. Yeah. I love it. Um, it's yeah. crazy. Very different. And I think, uh, I think that's a kind of where a lot of people should be. Um, mm -hmm. especially wrestlers. I think we're so wound up to be so tight and so serious and, you know, yes. it, it means, it means so much to win this match. Um, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to pick on Long Island, but they, there's too many tough son of bitches out there. I mean, so those dads, the dads like want to fight, and and so they have this, they have their ego tied to the outcome of their child, and it, this happens in more macho communities. With the macho-ness is obviously positive, in my opinion, in most cases, but for strictly for one aspect, for the 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 little <laughs> going on the mat performance aspect, it generally causes too much anxiety. Yeah. Right. So in that one moment, singular moment, if you could just get, get your athlete to relax. And so I always find that as like now, right now I'm a coach. I find myself pushing that way, way more than, than the other way. Like too many kids um, put too much pressure on themselves. And so my job as a coach is to relieve that pressure and not have their ego tied up into it. Yeah. I'm with you. It's crazy. Um, I don't know how these kids are, they're in these wrestling matches where it's a one-on-one -on -one sport, uh, you know, and they want to win obviously more than anybody. And then they have their dad who is there, who is on them and telling them, you know, this is everything. This is a big moment. You better go out there and win. Yeah. The amount of stress that puts on a kid that that's not going to help them. It's crazy. They want to win already. Like the dads yes. need to chill out and let the kids just go out there and have fun. And that's going to be the best they're going to be. You know, they got to just work hard in the room and, and that's going to come from their passion and their excitement for the sport. And it's yeah. not going to be because it's not going to come because the parent is pushing them and making them wake up early and do these different things. Um, it's crazy. And then, and then I know you've seen it a million times. I've seen it too, where the kids end up hating their parents, you know, at mm -hmm. the end of the day and they end up hating the sport, you know, no matter how successful they've become. Yeah. I, so I would say if the parents too hard, um, too hard on the kid it will uh really do two things right they'll they will either dislike the sport or they'll dislike you and both of those are about bad outcomes and we don't want either one of those to be the outcome boom roasted yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go For real um all right let's go into uh let's go into the jake paul so you retire you retire mm -hmm. from mma you have yep. your hip replacement you're focusing on your ask Ashgren academies yep. and then uh you get a phone call 
Tell me about that. Well, I tweeted first. I mean, just like everyone, you know, listen, I'm yeah. on Twitter. I want to have an opinion. Yeah. I enjoy having an opinion. And everyone does, whether they tweet or not, everyone has an opinion on things. And so, I, what, you know, it was like, hey, box Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson's not a boxer. You know, I'm not, not all that impressed. And so, yeah, the next week or two weeks, someone said, well, would you, would you do it? And I'm sure. Why not? You know, why not? And so at that point I had not even, I couldn't, I literally couldn't work out because my hip, right? So I had three months where you can't even be like really weight bearing or minimally weight bearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was super fast. I've ever been, um, <laughs> but you know, the thing I kept thinking about, and I'm sure you, you, you probably had to do this in high school on some Friday nights, if we didn't have anything going on, we had boxing gloves and some dudes would come over to our basement and we'd fucking punch each other in the All face. The time. Yeah. See, you did it. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> and yeah, so we thought, it. we thought, listen, I, I have fond memories of that. I thought, yeah. Hey, that was a great time. So I thought, man, these dudes are offering me all this money to do something that I thought was a good time in high school. Like I'd be an idiot not to. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously that there was the one negative possibility, which is what happened is that I got beat, but it's like, again, I would rather just go see how it happens, see what happens, than than not not know, right? Because that that in my opinion, that's kind of cowardly, right? Is to say like, oh, I could I could do that, and then not sign the contract, yeah. um, and go and go do it when you have the opportunity to go do it. And so I went and did it. it. Didn't go so well, not ideal, uh, but I had a good time. I mean, the, the thriller they were kind of a disaster, so that that wasn't all that. They were kind of stressful at times. I had look ahead. My assistant Rachel was awesome working with them because they were a disaster yeah it looked like that <laughs> it, was a, it was crazy it was a mess um yeah but i tra- i enjoyed training and actually you know what chris it's like uh, i try not to be in the headline but i kind of want to enjoy probably training for a boxing fighting as someone i knew i could beat <laughs> oh, wait one more time you get trained for a boxing match against someone who i knew i could beat like yeah. i'm gonna whoop that dude's ass like yeah. that will be kind of fun but yeah I, I probably won't ever compete again in uh, mixed martial arts or boxing um it was an interesting experience now i don't know I, you know you weren't known for your stand-up but obviously yeah. with your mental your mental fortitude your wrestling background your toughness yeah. uh your ability to get know how to break people mentally and yeah. um and physically uh i felt like and tell me if i'm wrong that obviously you thought you could beat him but that's the way i thought i thought you as long as you don't get knocked out with a big punch in the you know first yeah. or second round you're gonna move through his punches you're going to crowd him and just be in his face. You could pitter patter him. And then next thing I know he's breaking and you finish the fight. Yeah. At this point, do you still, after fighting, after watching him fight Tyron Woodley, do you still feel like, and I know, I know you're not going to be doing it. So don't feel like, you know, you're a coward Mm -hmm. for saying it, but if if you're honest with yourself, do you still think you could beat Jake Paul? No, you don't think so. Dude, I can't be, I mean, like him and Tyron (laughs) were competitive. I can't beat Tyron. Yeah. But was that the best Tyron? I think so. I, I mean, from everything that I talked to him, he, he worked hard at it. And so, like, I can't be tired in a boxing match. Could I be more competitive? Yeah, I, I sure could, right? But after watching that, I mean, okay, maybe if you said, I'll give you three years, right? I'll give you a very, very long period of time to get, to get good at this one skill. Okay, I think, because, like, it's funny, because um, in MMA, my whole reason for stand-up was to get the takedown. So I was really just obsessed about like the entry points. Right. And so there were certain things within like a month of, of starting boxing. Like I could do that. I could, that I was never able to do in my mixed martial arts career. 
you know, it was like, so I was, I was definitely like learning and picking stuff up pretty quickly. Um, that I, that I hadn't been able to do ever in mixed martial arts just because that wasn't my focus. And so, yeah, if you give me like a really long period of time, I think so. But right. Right. Like if you give me six weeks, three months, probably not. Man, I disagree with you. I, I think that you really crowd his punch. Listen, I think you're different than Tyron Woodley. I think you're a stamina type of yeah. fighter. And I think Jake Paul, he looked a little gassed and, and tired in that fight with Woodley. I think you absorb some of his punches come through. Don't get hit with anything crazy. Yeah. And his punches slowed down and you start picking them apart. And that's just, that's just, uh, that's my opinion. It doesn't, it doesn't help me that you're freaking telling me I'm wrong, but. Well, um, it's just like, I watch him, I, you know, I watch him against Tyron and I was, I actually like, I mean, that's the thing about the guy is like, uh, I think he was really pissed when I said, I, you know, I still didn't respect him after my fight because he, he landed a good punch, you know? Um, it wasn't like I got knocked down three times or anything. And I knew I wasn't that good. When I see him in there, you know, with eight rounds against Tyron, like he he has some decent boxing skills. You know, yeah. I I don't like the guy, but you know, there there's something there. He's obviously worked pretty hard at it. He's not a total pussy, so there's there's definitely some things there. What did you think of the whole build up to that fight? So obviously, we know you you're pretty good at trolling and getting people's yeah. heads, and I think you did a good job and yeah. uh, sold that fight really good and. Uh, I was thinking you were in his head. Um, yeah, I was. I was. What, it, what, what was that like? What, where do you put him on the troll list? How good is he? <gasps> so I'm from Askren. Uh, so, okay, it's not that I followed Jake Paul at all, but uh, what's that? I said I followed him at all prior to that, right? Yeah, yeah, I, did, yeah. I really couldn't have told you much about him, but um, no, I was actually pretty un, unimpressed. Uh, I just thought there was going to be uh yeah i mean from from the all the hype that people were saying about him that he would be better at the whole aspect of trolling but i don't think i think maybe in his world it wasn't like you know like especially the press conference that had him rattled because like in, in mma we have to do a lot of those things where it's back and forth and maybe it's the press conference maybe it's the weigh-in wherever right and i think he you know a lot of things he had he would have time to prepare and rehearse and do that type of thing and then do it it wasn't like as much on the fly Gotcha. So no, I wasn't. All, it wasn't all the pressers. There's like I mean, like McGregor would be, and McGregor lately has gotten a little bit cringe. But like Prime McGregor was, or Prime Chael Sonnen, like those guys oh, are yeah. really elite. Unbelievable. I agree. Um, when he got when his when he got into your wife's DMs, did that not did anything bother you with that? No, hell no. He didn't. That I wasn't crossing the line. I'm listen. I'm secure in my relationship. I mean, you know, like who am I gonna get mad at? Like you know, it's like oh. Because if I get mad at him, that was like, well, that was the whole point. Yeah. Right. The whole point that he was doing that was yeah, to get me yeah. upset. So, so no, I mean, like, I think about, oh, if, the, if I mean, I was, I know you've probably had some um, buddies in college who like they react to everything you say. So you just fuck with them oh, yeah, incessantly. You, yeah, you, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The guys yeah, on your course. college team. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I don't want to drop any names, but there's one guy, it was just like, you he he had to know you were messing with them, but you said the same thing, and he would just get super pissed. And so yeah. it's like we did it like every single day because it was fun to watch him get pissed off. Yeah, it's the best. Um, <laughs> so uh, where are we? Who, where who are we? on Seralongo's skin can you get under the easiest? Um. So when I'm around Matt, Matt, there's no talking. There's no. There's no. No one is talking other than Matt. Matt is just a nonstop. <laughs> like comedian uh everything he says just has you dying laughing so no one's uh -huh. really talking in the room with him um 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I well, Al, we, we, we all Al's just, skin? yeah, yeah, but you don't want Rage and Al to come out. You know, that's that's the other ultimate. Just ego once in a while. Al. Just that's once quiet, in a while. Quiet out. Quiet out. You keep him at at, at quiet and he, he's good. Um, okay. But yeah, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. But yeah, we all we just bust each other's balls all the time. Yeah. This is nonstop. Um, just trying to rip people down. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that we do it to, you, you wouldn't have heard of. So I'm not dropping their names. <laughs> so what's next for you, man? So you're 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 retired. The Jake Paul thing happened. You obviously we know you're dealing with that fine. You don't doesn't get to you. Yeah. Uh, the kids at the academy are they still talking about it? Uh every every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really is a good testament of stepping up and willing to compete and learning how to deal with loss. You know, you, yeah. it's not like you made all these tons of excuses. Uh, you got hit with a good shot. Um, you weren't afraid of, you know, of losing, you know, you yeah. weren't afraid of the competition. And I think it's a good testament to the kids. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So, I mean, I love coaching. That's probably my, my number one thing I enjoy. Uh, we had Super 32 coming up, which I said that was one of the toughest ones. So that'd be like what 10 10 days to that or something um a podcast uh which is you know i get to talk about things i enjoy which is crypto wrestling and mixed martial arts but i actually have kind of retired from the mixed martial arts podcast because uh i don't know are you just, are you not into mma at all like you're gonna be no, training I, fighters I, I, uh no not not at all you know i just don't really have time i get i don't know like, i just never got into it um yeah, know you, not, you're doing like macy barber for i was a helping bit, right? macy and macy was very I, and I, I like her a lot. She doesn't hear more. But like the first time she said, you know, hey, I want you to train me or whatever. And I said, uh, no, nah, I don't do that. Like, no, nah, I'm not trying. I don't train MMA fighters, you know, yeah. but she was pretty persistent, which is why. OK, cool. You know, and and um, and she was just really into, I mean, and, and that's in wrestling, too. Like the kids I want to help are the kids who want it really bad. Like they're like, I'm going to be freaking good. I'm going to work really hard at this. And then you watch them work hard and you you want to help them. Right. There's that. There's that passion and desire that, you know, maybe you see in a younger yourself or you just know they want to be good and you want to assist them the best you can. So not saying I would never help in wrestling or in mixed martial arts again. It's, it's kind of hard, right? I don't have an MMA team. Um, like if say, say like someone else wanted to run an MMA team out of my gym and I could go in once or twice a week, like yeah, that would probably be a lot of fun. Like I'd probably really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, never say never, but probably not for now. I, I have one kid who runs one of my academies. Um, he's 3-0 and now. So he wrestled for us in high school, and then he won two Division three national titles. And I think he's got a pretty promising future. And so I don't really work with him on a regular basis, but obviously we get together, we talk MMA, I give him some tips. Um, and his, his career is starting to go pretty well. What's his name? His name's Jordan Newman. Jordan so he's Newman. in Bellator. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah. He's a beast, um, but they're, they're, you know, it's one of those things. Bellator is kind of going slow right now. And, um, you know, obviously there was the crime. He actually was fighting. I don't know if you remember this, but, uh, the day Corona stopped the world, they had already weighed in for it. So they had waited in the day before that for Bellator. I don't know what Bellator was. And he was actually there weighed in. And then, you know, they canceled the fight that night. Oh, is this for the beginning of the beginning of the pandemic? Yeah, like we're talking March thirteenth or whatever. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, we're coming up on an hour here. Cool. I, I got another question for you. Um, what is your thoughts on like the definition of an athlete, definition of talent? Because you were, you know, people would say that you're not what people yeah. would consider athletic. Mm-hmm. You know, not super, not super, you know, explosive and 
you're not jacked. You don't have that yeah. appearance. So when you have these kids in high school that you're coaching, what are you looking for? Yeah. So I just want to, help, I want to help people who want to be helped and that's really it. And so we've had, I mean, the, the biggest one I can point to, we've, we had a kid who started wrestling in sixth grade and when he came in, he was, he couldn't do a four roll, right. In, in sixth grade. And he actually just went D one. So he's, he's in college for his first year this year. Wow. So we've obviously had success with guys starting late and being really unathletic, man. If you, in wrestling, all sports, you know, you couldn't do this with a hundred meter dash or a few other things, but if you're in wrestling, there's always a way. And I, you know, what? I, I, I say I coached Anthony Robles, but I really didn't because he had one leg and I, I have no idea how to wrestle with one leg. So I kind of just like watched him do his thing at Arizona state. And I was it's like, no one in here is as physically disadvantaged as he was yet. He found a way to get it done. He freaking figured it out. And so if he can do it, why can't you, you know, yeah. like there's no excuses, figure this thing out. Um, so, yeah. So I think wrestling is a unique sport and I, I think fighting is really similar. Um, maybe a little explosiveness probably helps a little more in fighting than in wrestling, uh, because of the knockouts and stuff. But, you know, I think we've seen every type of person be successful in mixed martial arts, just like we have in wrestling. So, uh, you know, thankful for those two sports that there's not a really like really niche body type, say like a hundred meter dash or like, you know, if you're playing the offensive or defensive line, you gotta be 300 pounds in NFL. You know, there, there's really specific niches for certain things and in wrestling and mixed martial arts, there's not. Would you consider yourself? Are, do you consider yourself an athlete? Uh, I'm a world or a talent. Let me no, not athlete. A talented. Like, would you consider yourself a talented athlete? Like coming up or yeah. So I I was moderate at pretty much everything, including wrestling, until I just really started dedicating myself. Um, and now, like looking back at my path and being honest, so. From uh, explosiveness, uh, speed, and strength standpoint, I'm I'm very would go score very low on a percentile basis against other elite athletes. Um, but and then, and then so then the other things, and this is people always you know say talent, which I think talent's innate means when you come out of your mom's vagina, you have it or you don't. And like certain things, like I came to tell you, so I have a really good feel for wrestling, and I for me. I don't credit that to my genetics. I credit that to me being on the mat like every single day for a decade, you know? And so it's like, maybe I had something there when, you know, when I was a four-year-old, I sure didn't see it. Um, So there's certain other characteristics um, that, you know, obviously the the basic ones are are speed and strength when people think about athleticism, but there's a lot of like understanding where you are in space, um, balance, flexibility, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, there's other ones. It's like, it's hard to say whether I developed them later through wrestling or if they were there i just hadn't uncovered them yet like you know grip strength and like you're 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 you know able to pull guys legs in in situations where most people couldn't you think that's just from being on the mats for years or it's just hard to tell it's uh yeah it's it's hard to say because uh you know and that's one of it's really funny because it's um i'm not if we go into a weight room I'm not particularly sh- in any, in, in any lift, right. We're talking pull, but and so things that would use pull muscles, right. Like a pull down or a row, like, okay. I'm better at those than I would be at say a bench press or maybe other things. Like I would on a percentile base, I'd be higher, but I'm yeah. still not like the highest, right. I'm not way up there, but like when I put my hands on say a cradle or a gut wrench, people are like, Holy shit. I've never felt anything like that. You know? So it's like, well, it feels like it's developed specifically for wrestling, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. I just think there's so many different types of yes, athleticism. Uh, 
athleticisms. Yeah. Sure. I think it's just, it's hard to really measure. And that's what I was trying to really get to is that like yeah. people may look at you or look at me and be like, hey, he's not really an athlete, but there's different, there's so many different varieties of yeah, athleticism. Um, last thing, cryptocurrency, yeah. any, any, any pointers out there uh, for some people and, and maybe some NFT projects. Man, I, I am not a fan of NFTs. I really, I, I did one myself just because I, I had some other people who wanted me to. Um, yeah, and I know they're a huge deal. I'm just not a fan of them. Um, I just got I'm, into it um, because I'm with, I'm with Vayner Sports. I'm with Gary V. Oh, I don't know yeah, if you yeah. follow him at he all. He loves so NFTs. He loves the NFTs. And um, so I started jumping. I, I talked to his him. brother, AJ. And, you know, I got, I ended up, uh, I ended up getting a couple of NFTs, nice. but who knows? Well, I mean, you're going to make, uh, dude, my pop, my podcast co-host, he bought one for $4,000 and sold it for like $800,000. So maybe it'll do pretty well. Wow. Wait, yeah. how much did he buy it for? Yeah, he bought it for four, sold it for 800. Damn. I know. Right. Um, that's nice. Yeah. So I think, I think Bitcoin is going to change the world. Um, I think it's we're getting started right now. I think we have a long future. Like I said, I would just tell everyone to do, do their own research. Uh, and most people can't answer the question, what is money? Right? When they say, what is money? They just say the US dollar. But that's that is far from the answer. So yeah, there's so many good books. Bullish Case for Bitcoin, the Bitcoin Standard. Um, lots of good reading. Wait, so you're all in Bitcoin? Not uh, really any no, of the old coins? I have, I have, other, yeah, I have other investments, but that would be like my main focus would be Bitcoin. Right so now. why why Bitcoin? Why do you think Bitcoin is going to last? Obviously, it was one of the first ones to yeah. hit the market and get a lot of marketing behind it. And but as far as it being efficient and Elon Musk taking it down the way he was able to take it down, and he didn't like really moving. take it down though. Also, here's the, here's why I was disappointed. In Elon Musk. Also, Elon Musk. All of the arguments he tried bringing up were really stupid. And they had all been discussed like five years prior. So now, now I've been this in, in this two cycles, right? So the first run up was 2017, and then we went bear market, and now we're on this next run up. Yeah. And everything that Elon Musk had brought up had already been brought up, and it, they've already been solved. And so like there was already easy answers. He could have just googled, and he would have found a good answer for the for the things he was bringing up. And obviously, you know, say like the I'll just bring up an easy one, like the ever oh the environmental it uses so much energy. Well, the U.S. banking system uses a lot of energy also, right? Actually, significantly yeah. more than Bitcoin. Gold production uses a lot of energy also. And now, here's the true thing with Bitcoin, is Bitcoin is actually, um, because it's not it's, it's location independent, they're setting up Bitcoin miners where there's an excess of energy. So most people don't realize that energy is not easily transportable. So say there's a hydroelectric dam. We'll just say for ease of math, it could produce 100 kilowatt hours, right? Well, if it's not next to the city, right? So if it's got to travel, they're going to lose a lot of the electricity between here and there. Additionally, obviously cities go up and down in their volume of usage of energy uh, you know, between the seasons and stuff. So at times there's going to be excess energy that they're, they're creating, but they're not actually using. So then you just set up a Bitcoin mining facility right there. Boom, you have the energy and you're good to go. So actually most of the ones, China banned Bitcoin mining most of the Bitcoin miners in China were set up next to hydroelectric power, which had an already excess of energy that was being created, but never used. Right. Yeah. And so like the energy, energy FUD is just, so FUD's fear, uncertainty and doubt. It's ridiculous because it's been hashed over. I mean, now we're seeing the guy, uh, the president of El Salvador is putting a Bitcoin mining rig on a volcano. So this is completely Jeez. renewable energy and that, that is not being tapped. It is not going to run out. 
he can just throw it right on top of there and boom, get going. My podcast goes, Jason, uh, they, he has, um, a tire recycling plant where they have to burn the tires and they, you know, they do it in very specific manners to do less effect on the end environment. But he said, well, I have all this excess energy from burning these tires. And he put a mining facility next to that. So yeah, the energy environmental concerns are, they're just like to try to detract, but they don't have actually any real value. I mean, but as these new coins are coming out constantly, um, you don't think they're going to be able to come up with something that is better in every, in every possible way than Bitcoin. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, and because also all these other layer two solutions are being built around Bitcoin, like the lightning network, you should watch Jack Maller's interview with pomp. Um, it's pretty tremendous. Um, but so I think that, and I think, I just think the level of decentralization and the fact that it's now been around for 11 years and no one's been able to do anything to it. Um, I think it's ideal. And that, and I think obviously once certain countries start adopting it, like El Salvador did, and I think there's probably gonna be a few more this year that I, th- I think it's going to be so far out in front that no one will ever catch it. And then there's all these other positive characteristics. All right. I, I guess I got to get back into Bitcoin. You sold me. <laughs> I uh, ended up selling it. So I yes. stayed, I had it in 2017. It hit like close to 20 or something. And yep. then it dropped back down. I ended up buying uh, it at nine and then boom, I, I, I stayed strong. And the next thing I know it, I ended up selling it at like 55,000. There we go. You know, a few months ago, maybe you know, yeah. six months so ago. So I, I think there will probably likely be projects. Um, so we're in a bull market. So in the, in the next, I will say, who knows, um, six this month, three to six months, we'll say, there's going to be other projects which do better multiples, right? Because even if Bitcoin goes to 300, that's a six, that's a six X from where we are right now, roughly. Mm-hmm. There's going to be other projects that do better multiples. But then on the way down, on the way down, it's going to be brutal, right? In the bear yeah. market. So I'll tell you one, I bought, and I learned from experience the hard way. I bought, I bought three things that all went to zero. I bought, and they, they all had a huge rump. The fourth one, pillar, I bought $3,000 worth of pillar in 2017. It went to 39000 within two months from three to 39. I didn't sell any of it. And now it's worth like $300. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it went a run up of 13 X and now a run down of like 99% or something. So yeah, that's yeah. going to happen with like the Shiba thing. Shiba's going to well, Shiba. I was in, so. I was into Shiba. This is, I sold my Bitcoin money and I bought Shiba because I had this inside tip from my buddy in New York city. That's like very conservative, but very, you know, he has a lot of money and uh-huh. he was putting tons of money into Shiba and he, like he knew the developers and blah 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 blah. Uh-huh. So I I jumped in, and I got crushed. I, I mean, yeah. so a lot. So of one my, of the guys made like twenty five million on it that I was talking to, well, but he was in a little so early. A lot of them are rug pulls. So a hundred oh, percent. A rug pull is all these guys. They they pre mine the coins. Like there's like four hundred trillion Shiba. They yeah, pre mine all these yeah. coins. They give them to people, right? And then they all pump it together. Boom! It goes up, and then they rug pull it, and they say all of us are selling them. Boom! So you actually saw. So I, I guarantee it's a scam because that first. Uh, uh, but if I would have stayed in it, this is I, this is months. Now ago. it's back up. But I, if I would have stayed, I ended up again. selling. Ter- I sold in the worst time too. I was I was like, this coin is stupid. There's no reason for it. But now it's on. But now it's on they're Coinbase. Rug pulled again. And it's, it's on. Gonna, they're going to put it on Robinhood. They're saying dude, it's going to get rug pulled. I promise you this. I know, but people are making crazy money. They will. So it's going to yeah. get rug pulled. But as long as you know, it's going to get rug pulled. You yeah, got so to. Gotta- from. What it went like ninety percent drop back in what was that April or something like that, eighty percent drop. Yeah, it was right. Maybe it was was yeah. it before my fight. It was right before my fight in April. Yeah, is when I think I did it. 
shoot um yeah i should hey i gotta run chris yeah yeah thank you so much for doing this bro yeah i appreciate it man i really do respect ben askren in so many ways um from him not being the greatest of all athletes and him figuring out a system that worked for him to create really one of the most successful careers um in wrestling history uh, and then go on to have an amazing MMA career. Uh, I really respect his mindset. I think it's such a valuable thing that people need to hear. The way he's able to stay relaxed and, and step up to any competition, anytime, anywhere against anybody. Um, and be so relaxed while doing it. You know, before huge fights, just talking about basketball and football. And, you know, all the work, hard work is in at that point. So there's no point of really you know, stressing out before a big competition, you know, and he really, he just has to figure it out. You know, I found it very interesting. We, we spoke when uh, we were talking about his book on sports psychology the other day, and he told me that he never really lost one wrestling match in his entire career because he got in his own head because he beat himself. And I find that so interesting because I feel like almost every match I've ever lost in wrestling was because I got in my own head. And it's just a testament to him figuring out the right way to have your mind at such a young age and just to take it to every single level, you know, and become an Olympian and become, uh, you know, world champion in fighting, you know, it's really, uh, he's an interesting dude, super smart. Um, you know, if you, if you're interested in the cryptocurrency business, I think he's the guy you probably want to listen to. Um, he's got his, his finger on that pulse and, uh, Yeah, man. It was just awesome talking to him. We've had a lot of history together, and it was awesome. If you want to hear more conversations like that one I just had with Ben Askren, all you have to do is click that follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you do your listening. I've also got a YouTube channel, so if you want to watch the podcast or check out some videos about my recovery, please go subscribe to that as well. Have a great weekend. I'll be back next week with another great guest. But until then, I'm Chris Weidman, and this is Won't Back Down. Thanks for listening.